after five episodes of Smart Funny Tortured, I couldn't think of a better way to kick off episode six than talking with episode one and dear friend George Hahn about <laughs> probably one of the most smart, funny, and tortured characters in pop culture, James Bond. And both of us being huge fans of James Bond, I thought it would be fun to get George's take. Hi, George. Hi, Paul. And do you agree with me that James Bond is smart, funny, tortured, one of the most iconic that falls into that category? Most definitely. Definitely tortured, obviously smart, and in terms of funny, underrated. Underrated, exactly. Yeah. I didn't review all the films in preparation for this. I went with my memory and what was dear to my heart. And we will talk about No Time to Die at the end of this because there's mm-hmm. nothing but spoilers in that. So we'll get we'll get the James Bond stuff out of the way first. That's but, a good plan. And we sh- yeah, we'll give a good heads up because we're going to have spoilers. All right. So let's dive into it. Your four favorite Bond movies, starting with number four. Okay. Instead of going uh, top three and an honorable mention. <laughs> we'll just do four. Yeah. This is hard, but um, I, starting with number four, Dr. No. Uh, number three, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Number two, Goldfinger. And number one, Skyfall. <laughs> Only one match between us. I'm not surprised. That's why we're talking here. <laughs> okay. Number four. Give them to me again. Number four was what? Dr. No. Mine was Moonraker. Okay. Number three, again? Mm-hmm. Uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Quantum of Solace. Okay. <laughs> Number two was Dr. No for me. Mm-hmm. And yours? My number two was Goldfinger. Okay. And then number one was Skyfall for you? Yes. And Casino Royale for me. And I also chose, I should say, my choices, I tried to mix it up with different bonds. Yeah. Um, You know, to think about it again, I would probably put Casino Royale in my top four. I might also put From Russia with Love in my top four. Yeah. Um, It's a tough call. I mean, so I just tried to pull from, it's hard for me to pick a, um, a Roger Moore because, you know, even Roger Moore admitted, you know, after a while, he's just, he spent half his time winking at us. I mean, I picked Moonraker because that was the first bond that I saw in the theater mm-hmm. as a kid. What right. was the first bond you saw in the theater? For your eyes only. 1981. Mm-hmm. That was a hell of a year. Do you know what came out that summer? Do tell. For your eyes only clash of the Titans, <laughs> Superman two and Raiders of the lost Ark. That was the dream summer for kids. That was a good summer. Raiders of the Lost Ark was magical. Like, yeah. That's unforgettable. Um, Superman 2, oh, that poor movie. It was so much better. Uh, Richard Donner's original Donner. version, which we yeah. later saw. But uh, we all got our taste of um, General Zod, played by the inimitable Terrence Stamp. Stamp, I know. Yeah. The worst to pay in, in uh, movie history with E.G. Marshall as the president. Oh, good God. <laughs> Oh, good God. You are not the president. No man who leads so many could kneel so quickly. Just keep, just keep 
quoting the lines, George. I love it. <laughs> so, okay, number one was Skyfall for you. And I heard you talk about Skyfall um, on one of your walks and why it means so much to you. And of course, I've got the two that preceded it mm-hmm. um, in my top four. So, Skyfall, why right. does it mean so much to you? Why is it number one? I thought Skyfall, even as a standalone movie, take it out of the Bond franchise, it's almost a good standalone movie. We get to who he is. Uh, we get a little bit of M's past in there. It hits so many notes that other Bond films never come close to emotionally. I thought um, Skyfall had, and it was, it brought back a classic. I mean, I remember the roarous applause when he whisks Judy Dench away from the shootout at the hearing and then gets to his storage garage, opens the garage door, and we see the DB, the Aston Martin DB5, and there was just this applause. Yeah. And it was the DB5 that he had won in the poker game back in Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. It had everything that I would have ever hoped for. The action sequences were unrivaled in many respects. Um, there was a sophistication. I thought the script was good. I thought the dialogue was smart. We also got reintroduced to Miss Moneypenny and um, uh, Q. Um, they were not in uh, Craig's first two. And Moneypenny has an agent. Right. The shot. We get a little. Yeah. We get a little origin story on Moneypenny, which we'd never been privy to before. And we get a little glimpse into Bond's psychology from his childhood: an orphan, single child, or only child. Uh, the locations you had Adele with one of the best theme songs ever recorded in the Bond franchise. One of the best opening credits designs I've ever seen. The opening title design is thrilling. And the performances, Ray Fiennes, Judy Dench and Javier Bardem. Uh, we'll get to this later, but, and I'll, we'll go into more detail. I thought Javier Bardem is arguably in my humble or maybe not so humble opinion, the best Bond villain of all of them as Silva. And we got our first twist of the gay. That was okay. So that, that is the one that the James Bond, you know, that it's canon that James Bond has dabbled in bisexuality is yes, that is the best piece of dialogue. Mm -hmm. I mean, people still bring it up. I mean, every time they show a clip from, (laughs) from Skyfall, it's that, that showdown. See, we are the last two rats. We can either eat each other. Or eat everyone else. How you're trying to remember your training now? What's the regulation to cover this? Well, first time for everything. Hmm. what makes you think this is my first time i think that's one of the things that defines a bond movie above like a mission impossible or other action movies it's these these gentle conflicts with the villains like james bond squares off with the villain in a conversational setting before the action kicks in well all the villains you'll notice especially in craig's tenure they're obsessed with him yeah, there is a there is a sex. There's almost a sexual tension. Certainly there was with Silva. Uh, Mission Impossible. Tom Cruise. Exciting. Fun to look at. I love the movies, but absolutely, completely, 100 percent devoid of sex. 
That's you know what that is they're, a really good point. They're asexual. Of, yeah, they are. But I mean, I think of the Lashiv torture scene. Very the, sexual. Ex, yeah, and very homoerotic. Yeah, that's that's always piping through it. That's why the and can whole, I add another thing about Skyfall? Yeah, by all means. Um, it was. I thought Eva Green was wonderful as Vesper Lind. Um, I'm blanking on the actress's name who was the lead um, Bond girl in Quantum. Um, we yeah. just saw her in Black Widow uh, with Scarlett Johansson. I'm, I, I apologize, I'm blanking on her name. She's a good actress, but in Skyfall, it was the first time that I thought all the Bond girl, all the actresses were really good. You know, Bernice Merlot, who played Severine, who who we lost on that weird abandoned Island in that shootout contest with the shot glass. Yes. She was wonderful. I felt that she was terrified and I felt for her. Um, and um, Olga our, Kalienko. Uh, Olga Kalienko. Thank you. That's her. She was great. Yeah. Uh, but it was not a sexual relationship between them. No. And uh, so Skyfall had it kind of had it all to me. I loved all the performances. I didn't feel like any of them were cheap. They all connected to the material to me and made it really, you know, come alive with a, with a broader spectrum of colors. I, it was hard for me not to include Sky, Skyfall is like Skyfall is to Daniel Craig's run is what Goldfinger is to Sean Connery's run. hundred percent. It is the one that everybody runs to it's and then the Oedipal stuff, you know, and mommy, all these things are just cringy, but they fit it. You could totally understand that. Um, I, my head got spun when I heard somebody comedically refer to the last 45 minutes of Skyfall as home alone. And I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> exploding light bulbs and booby trap the house. And I'm like, Oh my God. But what I liked about it, is that it was not, it was what Bond had, he, there's not a lot of reliance on gadgets. Mm-mm. Daniel Craig's Bond has to rely, it was very clearly influenced by uh, like the Bourne films, but um, has to rely on his wits. And it's has to be to his bear. I mean, it, right. He has to be clever. And, you know, all of those things that we saw in Skyfall were actually physically possible. Yeah. As opposed to a disappearing car or all the other shit where the wheels came off with yeah. Brosnan's run. Um, yeah. Craig's bond is anchored in reality and what is actually possible with physics. Yeah. So here's my problem with Skyfall is that after Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace, which we'll talk about next, I felt that after those two that we had rebooted and deconstructed bond with no gadgets, no cue, um, all those things that by the time we got to Skyfall, it would be back to kind of the bond that we liked, that there would be lasers, that there would be higher stakes, that there would be a little bit more of that blockbuster bond we loved. And instead, we went deeper into the deconstruction. We broke him down even more, this time physically. And it it really it was like, oh, Christ, are we doing this again? And it was like, come on, Bond, get your shit together. Let's get some, let's get some lasers. Let's get some world-level threats going on here. And that's – so for me, by the time we got to Skyfall, 
I was expecting and wanting something different. And it just doubled down on the, you know, the, the mythos, this new mythology that was being established for James Bond. And I didn't want to go there by that point. So that's why I went with Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace, I feel is a four and a half hour movie mm-hmm. because Quantum of Solace starts off five minutes after he shoots Mr. White. It's a direct pickup. Yeah. And I love that continuity. And there were moments in Quantum of Solace. And I know that it's, it was an incredibly beleaguered production that was during the writer strike right um, as we learn and everybody was just trying to desperately avoid a sophomore slump and there were injuries and everything like that but as far as one of the best fight scenes in a bond movie that scaffolding rope oh that was great was the car chase was unbelievable amazing the car yeah. chase at the beginning was amazing mm-hmm. and then like you said it stripped it was fascinating from the standpoint, and you mentioned this, that the goal was not world domination, but water rights. And mm-hmm. it was, there was something about it that felt, if you're going to strip Bond down and take out the gadgets, that one talked to me. And then the design, and, that, and then the thing that stays with me from that is when he finds Mattis in the trunk, cradles him in the street, when Mattis dies in his arms, and asks him to forgive Vesper, Mattis dies, and then Bond throws him in the dumpster. And she is shocked that he's done that to his friend. And then he says, He, he wouldn't care. He wouldn't care. Vesper, she gave everything for you. Forgive her. Forgive yourself. That was a through line back to the Fleming bond and it immediately took out, okay, he's now, he's now Connery. He's now mm-hmm. Craig. He's now Fleming in just that one scene. And he and drinks a shit ton in that movie. Oh my God. On the plane. Yeah. <laughs> when they're flying, yeah. This is a guy who's conflicted. I, I think quantum of um... he's the most tortured in this one. Right. And I think uh, people were disappointed because there was no sex romp in it. Well, there was the quick one with um, with Fields, but a nod to Goldfinger in her demise. Um, Oil-covered body. Instead of gold paint. And they even posed her. I think the camera was positioned in the exact same place. It was like the same shot. It got a lot of shit. That movie, people love to hate that one. But I think, you know, that being the weakest of Craig's, in my opinion, is better than any of Brosnan's. Yeah, it was tough times. They were kind of like making things up as they went, I think. They were. They were. I mean, there's rumors that uh, Craig and the director were writing the script in a trailer, you know, as right. it was going on. And I mean, there's times me. when it shows that, but, you know, for a movie that was supposedly 100% put together and ready mm-hmm. to go, Spectre falls 
short um, in considerable places. Oh, sure. That, that didn't. So Skyfall and Casino Royale. Good. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. We're, we're in the Craig camp. hundred mm-hmm. percent. All right. Your theme songs and we'll go back and forth. So what was your number four? My number four theme song was live and let die. Mine was view to a kill. Good one. Um, what's your number three? Writings on the wall. Sam Smith from Spectre. God, I wanted to love it, but it didn't have any drums. Uh, mine was Skyfall. Adele. Okay. All right. Number two is Surrender by Katie Lang. Ooh. The end- you pulled that out of your ass because that was my honorable mention. Because she didn't get the theme song. She was that supposed went, to. Right. That went rumor, to Cheryl Crow. The rumor was, is that no gay woman was going to do a James Bond theme. Right. And it got her theme song. The yes. It was, it was called surrender, but it's really, you know, that <laughs> it's really tomorrow never dies. Yeah. Cause that's the chorus. Her. Yeah. Katie Lang's surrender or tomorrow never dies, whatever, whatever you want to call it is so good. Better than Cheryl Crow's no disrespect to Cheryl Crow which is the one that wound up in the opening titles. Um, so that was your number. Which number two. was that? That was, that was your number two. two. Good one. Um, my number two was the spy who loved me. Carly Simon. Nobody does it better. Yeah. Carly Simon. All right. Fantastic. And my number one was diamonds are forever. Oh yeah. Good one. Mine was another Shirley Bassey uh, Goldfinger. Goldfinger. I saw Shirley Bassey live in 1997. She was 65, I think, at the time. And you could close your eyes and think you were listening to a CD on the best speakers in the world. She is not a creature of this earth, vocally. She is an alien. Um, yeah. Shirley Bassey is not human. She, like, that voice is otherworldly. Yeah. And- she came out with a dress that when she hit the high notes, she would extend her arms and the dress was bedazzled and literally was like a disco ball in the theater. And as she was hitting the note, it was just radiating. She was just this luminescent, one of the best concerts I've ever been to. And it wasn't a concert. She's from the old school, Paul. Oh, it was a show. It was a show. All right. Those are good. Yes. I thought right. we did well there. I'm I'm so glad you pulled out the Katie Lang one.
four best Bond girls. <laughs> we'll start with number four and go back and forth. What was by your number four? Number um, Lucia by Monica Bellucci, uh, played by Monica Bellucci, Inspector. Because oh, I know, oh, I love this. It's one. not. It was a very small role. I mean, she comes into the movie and exits rather quickly. Yeah, but she is the first. To my knowledge, I could be wrong, but she is the first Bond girl, woman, north of 50. Correct. Yes, that is a distinction. That, and I love that they did that. And I think she's an exquisite looking woman, but she's oh. also a wonderful actress. Yeah. Yeah. You and don't, you I, don't want to turn away from that scene because it looks appropriate the way that it's staged um, post-funeral. I mean, it's got, all the, it's got all the adult themes that you'd want by two adults. She taught... A woman how to dress when her husband dies. Put a fucking net over your face. There's a word for that garment. I can't remember what. Maybe it's just a net. I don't know. But that's that's how you bury a husband you hated. That's right. Look better at that funeral than you ever did at any moment he was alive. And then fuck the man who killed him later. Thank you. (laughs) That's how you do it. That's how you bury a man you despised. Your first husband, the one you married for money and status, when he kicks, that's how you look at the funeral. So she nailed it. Yeah. And then what was she wearing? Like a leather bustier under it. Like, wow. I mean, down to the skivvies. I know. She really, she did it right. Business for the funeral. Mm-hmm. That's your number four, but that's my honorable mention. Um, Melina Havelock, who played by Carol Bouquet in For Your Eyes Only. Okay. That was one of my uh, crushes. Literally, when she learns of the death of her parents, the Mm -hmm. camera tightens on her face, on her, on those stunning eyes. And that's, that's the bridge to the credit scene. The opening credit scene is how stunning. They're like emeralds. Yeah. Yeah. She was handy with a crossbow, held her Mm -hmm. own with James. So, but she was wonderful to look at. I'll give you that. My number three. Yeah, was Severine in um, Skyfall? I just mentioned. I just talked about her, yep. Berenice Mar- Marlowe. I mm-hmm. think that's how you pronounce it. Um, a great performance, and usually cast that kind of a role in a Bond movie is cast by uh, you know someone who was cast clearly because she was pretty, but maybe not the best actress. And this one, as I said, I felt her fear. I felt frightened for her. Her death bothered me. I mean, and then you learn of her upbringing. I mean, she had this, she had this horrible life, had right. this brief moment of luxury and comfort. And James meant a possibility awesome. of another life, and it was snatched away yeah. from her um, over a duel. Yeah. A cockfight, yeah. really. That's a great one. I had uh, Xenia Onatop. Ah. Famke Jensen and Goldeneye. She is great in that. Um, cartoonish, but a hundred percent bond this time, the odd job character (laughs) jaws went to a woman who was formidable and (laughs) objectified in the way she killed men and how she fetishized death and yeah, yeah, yeah. And all that. But it's what we know Femke Jensen for to this Mm -hmm. day. Yeah. Yeah. And she's wonderful to look at. And she's a lot of fun too. I love that one. Great choice. Um, my number two was Vesper. Lind, Eva right. Green. Um, you know, the one that got James's 007's heart first, broke it. Fair. Again, 
we're introduced to this new blonde bond that everyone wanted to hate. And, um, you know, and then he had us in the palm of his hand after the pre-opening title bathroom fight sequence. Mm-hmm. And then there comes this other surprise. I thought she was one and formidable. Like she was not taking any shit. She wasn't, but multidimensional as we all, you know, you talked about the, the emotion evoked mm-hmm. the shower scene of her in shock and they're in their clothes. I love that scene. Her. That scene is so beautiful. Yeah. I love yeah. the way they shot it. It's really sweet. Yeah. It's amazing. My number two was Honey Rider. Ursula Andress. Yeah. That set, set the template. That, sure. And also was handy with a knife, who also was right alongside Sean Connery with the fights. And then it seemed like they dialed that back for the remainder of the movies. But she, she had an athleticism. Her, she had an athleticism about her. I mean, that's how you meet her. She's a, she's a free diver coming up right. with a knife in the famous bikini scene. Looking for shells. Looking for shells. Yeah. But again, it's a, it was a different time. You know, these women were clearly eye candy. Look at it now. The Bond girls, women now are far beyond just eye candy. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were even doing it with Brosnan, with Halle Berry and her throwback to um, Honey Rider. Yeah. Yeah. And even, we, and even Daniel Craig stepping out of the ocean himself in Casino it was, Hey, let's put the, let's make the boy the eye candy. <laughs> let's turn the table. Yeah. And up the ante for the boys. I remember someone, I want that bathing suit. I'm like, you're going to have to look as good as that in that bathing that's suit. Right. You're going to pull that off. It's not the bathing um, suit, it's the shoulders in that scene. Yeah, yeah. Et cetera. You're right. number one? Number one. I'm wondering if we have the same one here. Paloma, Anna Diarmas from No Time to Die. Really? Yeah. You could have given her her own damn movie. Her role. She her- was so delightful. It was, and she was so unnecessary. And we talk about this in No Time to Die. You could have had that whole Cuba party scene where he just walks in, everything happens around him, and then he fights 007 for mm-hmm. their what they're going after. And I joke, it was sort of like Daniel Craig and her hit it off so famously on the, the set of Knives Out and go, hey, you should be in a Bond movie. We'll see if we can write you in. And they wrote her in and she crushed it. And also a friend of mine who's done martial arts for several years, and he's like, some of those moves and those kicks, they looked like she owned them, like she had practiced mm-hmm. them thousands and thousands of times. And she was stunning in that dress. All of it. All of it. I agree with you 100% on this choice. She, I could be in a honeymoon period, but she shot to the she, top of the list. She came in another like entrance and exit, a wonderful appearance in a movie. And she was mm-hmm. a sheer delight. I think A.O. Scott in the New York Times described that scene. It was the fight version of Gene Kelly and Sid Charisse. Yes. Uh, which I thought was very well put. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was visually eloquent. It was. The foe. And she was your... such a delight. Yeah. Yeah. She was having fun. She was having fun. Yeah. Um, my number one pussy galore, Honor Blackman. Honor Blackman. A little basic, I know, but I mean, the craziest name for a character. Almost as, like, well, Holly Goodhead. Holly Goodhead. I was, <laughs> you know, in Moonraker. Come on, but Pussy Galore. Wow. <laughs> but Honor Blackman, formidable, not to be pushed around. Apparently, there was some subtext that uh, Pussy Galore and her flying circus of you know young lady pilots, uh, the lore, and this is coming from Honor Blackman. I never read the book. 
that there was a little bit of a lesbian thing happening there and that James sort of converts her. Um, just can't resist his charms. Um, maybe, but I love her character. I love her look. Uh, I love her strength, her moxie. Um, she's a badass. She's just playing for the wrong team until she hooks up with Jimbo. Yeah. For literally a roll in the hay. The judo kick and a flip and a toss and a roll in the hay. Yeah. yeah. My name is Pussy Galore. I must be dreaming. One of the things that Bond is known for, and this is one of the specific reasons I wanted to talk to you because I wanted your sartorial take. I truly can't appreciate them or source them like you can. So the four best outfits and not limited to only Bond too. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's one that, uh, that jumps out. I want to know. So you're, uh, you're number four for best outfit. <laughs> uh, my number four would be his tan linen suit inspector after the fight on the train. And he and Madeline get dropped off and then get picked up in that, um, that Rolls Royce. He's wearing that linen suit with a blue shirt. I think it's a blue shirt. Yeah. And a knit tie. And a knit tie with a point at the end instead of squared off, which squared is off. interesting for a knit tie. But I love that linen suit. Yeah. If you're going to take a train ride from Tangiers, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's how you travel. Mine was from Spy Who Loved Me, Commander Bond, when he's wearing his uniform on the jet ski and shows up at the submarine. As a kid, you're like, oh, that's right. He's a commander in the British Royal Navy, and he... He had some gravitas when he came on that U.S. sub. It was like, oh, Commander Bond is here. And I just loved the way that he didn't look ridiculous on a jet ski wearing an officer's uniform. It was right. cut right. It was, it was just fun. And it, was, it conveyed a look that gave a dimension to the character for seeing. In such a ridiculous Bond movie, it kind of it gave something to it. Nice one. Good choice. Number three. all right uh my number three choice best outfits were lazenby's tuxedo with the ruffles yes okay here's the thing it was exquisitely cut there is a scene where he comes down the stairs and there is that purple sort of fleur-de-lis wallpaper on that staircase and he comes down the tux his tailoring in that movie is so good yeah um, I thought he, I thought he was a bulkier, huskier guy, but he's V-shaped lean and he looked great in those cuts. lean and tight. Yeah. yeah. It's a wonderful tux. It's beautifully cut. And what we see are the ruffled is the ruffled bib. That's the shirt we see. And I'm surprised Tom Ford hasn't done that yet. I would love to see a ruffled. I'd, I'd wear a ruffled bib t- uh, tuck shirt. Yeah. Um, and then he takes it off and the shirt is basically sheer. Yes. Um, but the beginning in the fight scene, he's doing it and he gets it wet. It literally looks like a bib. It's see-through. Yeah. When it's wet. Right. Yeah. So, and it's exquisitely cut. I mean, the shirt is cut. It's almost sewn onto him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, his uh, Lazenby's, tux, Lazenby's black tie game in on Her Majesty's Secret Service. I'm starting, to know, I'm starting to notice I've got way too much Roger Moore in here, but I, th- I think it was inculcated as a youth in my first bond movies but we talked about this in our very first podcast moonraker the double-breasted navy blue blazer with the charcoal slacks classic it was a classic look 
it was the look that I replicated when I was on the dating game. It was and like, nailed. how am I gonna how am I gonna dress? <laughs> and I literally replicated that outfit. And, and it looks you great. Did. Yeah. And you did. Your number two. My number two is from No Time to Die. Uh Bond's suit. Uh the one time he's really in full kit. It is a beautiful. A uh, subtle blue plaid. Um, you know the scene when he comes out of his um, Aston Martin and he sits down with M. Ray finds it's a beautiful plaid. I don't know if it's a Glen plaid or a Prince of Wales because a Prince of Wales typically has a third color going in it. Um, but it's subtle. It's beautiful. I love that suit. I love that. He wears a similar one in uh, Skyfall. Um, in the scene where he meets Ray Fiennes for the first time in front of Judy Dench, mm-hmm. when Ray Fiennes was just Mallory, um, Daniel Craig's suit in that scene is also a plaid blue. Um, but it's just, it's that from a distance, it just looks blue. And then you get closer and you see the details and it doesn't scream. It's an exquisite suit. I love it. Oh, I'm so glad you pulled, pulled the suit out and uh, gave some background on it. Uh, my number two was the Haiti casual look from quantum of solace when he's on the motorcycle. Oh, and it's sort of like a windbreaker. He's a black polo shirt. Yeah. Phenomenal fit on a windbreaker and khakis. And right. He, he fights in it. He races in it and mm-hmm. then he gets off and he looks it's, it's one of those things. It's like, okay, I'm just going to get six sets of all of that and wear that every spring. Right. Yeah. It's almost like a Barracuda jacket. Exactly. Uh, but sort of a modern twist on it. Same kind of cut. Mm-hmm. Almost. I'm trying to remember. No, it was a, ba- it was a standard collar. Uh, that's a great choice. That's a really good casual outfit. Yeah. And it fit him, of course, everything on him. And people should understand that one of the, re- aside from Daniel Craig's physique, that one of the reasons things fit him so well in these movies is that everything is tailored. That polo shirt was tailored. That jacket was tailored. Those khakis were tailored. Mm. So if one's going for all this, get whatever you get off the rack and then bring it to the tailor. Yeah. Because everything was either custom made for him or altered within an inch of its life. Love it. All right. You're number one. My number one is an iconic, and it's not even anything that I would wear. It's just something that I appreciate for its craft. Um and beauty was the classic three-piece Prince of Wales suit he wears in Goldfinger, Connery. Oh. Um, and again, this is a Prince of Wales, the distinction being that there is a third color other than the black and white threads. There is a third color. It's usually a, a blue or a green. I don't know which in his. It's the suit he wakes, uh, it's the suit he changes into when he shaves on um, Pussy Galore's little gold mini plane okay and then he wears it through his you know introduction to that that ranch or whatever in kentucky goldfinger's ranch and uh yeah he goes into that little jail cell with it mm-hmm. actually he wears it for a good stretch in the movie it's a beautiful suit it's got things in it that i wouldn't do like i'm not a cuffs person on my pants i think the lapels are very 60s so they're a little slim um, and I'm not one for lapels on a vest, but, and pleats in the pants, not my thing either. So <laughs> basically widen the lapel, take the lapels off the vest, make it flat front and standard cuffs on the pants. And I'd wear it. 
You can wear it. Yeah. Um, but it's beautiful. It's just, it's iconic. Yeah. It's iconic. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to three pieces coming back. They are. You can wear they've never. I don't think they've ever been gone, really, Paul. I just think like it's like bow ties. It's something you got to own. You got to own and sure. have. And, and bes- they're on, um, what's his name? Um, Corey Stoll wears them in billions. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but he's all the time. Open call. Without a tie. Yeah. Which I hate. No, My number one was, I had to go with it, was the, the famous scene in Dr. No, where he sits down and he says, Bond, James Bond for the first time, and that tucks. Yeah. And it's a the- shawl collar. Mm-hmm. and the the tie midnight blue by the way it's not black it's blue and it just it looks geometric on mm-hmm. him and yeah and i did notice the shawl collar of that and i've been looking and i've been watching the no time to die the tom ford has the pointed co- uh, the the pointed lapels peaks and the peaks and mm-hmm. then i believe casino royale shawl collar and it's yes. it's interesting watching it go back and forth and who who owns what but yeah i mean that the hair is perfect there there's no gap in the collar it just it's painted on it looks geometric it right. set the tone it was great and let's not forget the cuffs they were turn back cuffs so most standard tuxedo jackets it's that wool or wool cashmere or whatever the fabric is down to the cuff and through the buttons but in connery's Dr. No Tux, when we first meet him, when we first hear him, that, that scene you described in the casino, his cuffs are turned back cuffs. It's the same material as the lapels. I think it's a Barathea. Or no, I'm sorry. It's a, um, whatever they, it's a, that satin, you know, that, um, yeah, they're turned back cuffs. It's a subtle detail. Tom Ford does it in some of his tuxes these days. Is there a Bond movie where the fashion just stands out? where it's like they nailed it and everybody's outfit and it captures the time and it's not necessarily timeless, but. You mean of the time or any time, any time. Cause some of them stand out. Like I, like it, Roger Moore got into fashion. We saw flared pants, safari suits, you know, epaulettes, like what? Um, God, I would have to say. Goldfinger, he looks really good. Yeah. Um, I love his clothes in You Only Live Twice. I would almost wear those suits today because the 60s had that skinny lapel, but by the time we got to You Only Live Twice, they were starting to widen up a little bit. I loved, I thought Daniel's clothes, his suits were too tight in Skyfall, my favorite Bond movie, but I thought his suits were too tight. It was as if between the last fitting his production date, like when they were starting to shoot, it was as if he had bulked up a little bit more and they and squeezed like, him a little. It's almost like they joked about it too. Like inspector, when he falls down, when the building collapses and he falls into the, into the couch, mm-hmm. he gets up and he straightens, he, he straightens his suit. Right. And it, it's almost like it bunched up on him. And the same thing happened when he, um, was the one where he tore apart the train car with oh, skyfall and, and skyfall. Then fixes his and then, and then he fixes his cuff again. It's like it's it, the suit's not going to fix itself. No, but the suit, the fit was better in Spectre. Like there were a little, there was a little more air in there, but the, the suits in Skyfall, it, it was almost like they were vacuum packed. They were like a little too tight. Um, better in Skyfall and even better in No Time to Die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I admire your courage, Miss uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. 
I admire your luck, Mr. Bond. James Bond. So, let's go to the fun part of uh, the Bond movies, the cringe part. Four worst lines of dialogue. That you and you know, I saw this, you brought this up in the email and I could only, you're going to have to like remind me, I could only come up with one that really made me just like go, Ugh. well, that's, I had one and I had to, I had to reverse engineer from it and, and look at some lists and be like, oh God, that's right. I remember that one. Yeah. So you're going to have to refresh me, but I have one that just, Ugh. okay. I'll start with my number four. Please go. Yeah. I think he's attempting re-entry from moonraker (laughs) when he comes up on the video screen and he's floating in space with lois giles Uh, pick a bunch of lines from moonraker it's just which one yeah i know yeah i know um number three for me was kind of a two-parter brushing up on a little danish when he's in bed with the woman and then money penny says oh james cunning linguist joke gets thrown uh, in there yeah. yeah from tomorrow never dies yeah <laughs> i know yeah and then actually my number two is from no time to die because i immediately identified it as i don't think james bond would say that and i know probably who wrote that line and that was when he refers to uh logan ash as whose book of mormon what's the story with book of mormon over there <laughs> you know that's a and phoebe i'm like line. that has to be phoebe waller <clears throat> that wrote that line yeah um i, can't, I actually like that line <laughs> that line made me laugh really hard i just don't see in james bond's box of stuff with his ceramic bulldog <laughs> from him is like a playbill from <laughs> with book of mormon right right um my one the one line that makes me just barf um was in uh the world is not enough oh here we go you ready Let's you know go. what i'm gonna the very last it's my frame. number one too i thought christmas only comes once a year fuck you i oh, got up the and dumbest. walked out i oh. walked out of my friends my friends were like where are you going and i'm like it's over i'm done i'm never the wheels seen- had come off i like oh it's uh. i know that was and my for the, number just, one. Just so Worst. people know who are listening, James, if you have not seen it, James Bond's, uh, his Bond girl was Denise Richards, who plays Dr. Christmas Jones. A nuclear physicist. Right. She's got a PhD and get the fuck out of here. And she, <laughs> oh. so her name is Christmas. And he's like in her basically in the last scene and he's i thought christmas only comes once a year this is how you're ending the movie neil purvis help me now come on (sighs) no i mean george if you were only going to come to this list with one that's the one that's the one that stands out to me of all of them yeah yeah to end a movie on that Mm -hmm. was the last line in the movie Mm -hmm. yeah about you. Yeah, how so? I thought Christmas only comes once a year. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right, Are we moving on to villains? We are, but I'm going to change it up on you. Okay. A little bit. I love a surprise. 
most batshit villain? I think it was the one, and by batshit, I'm not saying it was a good villain. Like, it's not batshit in a good way. No, not batshit in a good way. Just, just swung for stupid. the fences. It's fucking stupid. Yeah. Because I don't remember it. I mean, I saw all of the, um, I, I've seen every single one, right? Some I've seen multiple times. Some I never had the desire to ever see again because I thought they were so ridiculous. And this comes from someone who was so ridiculous. It was the villain in the bra. I, was it the world is not enough? Who was the villain in world is not enough? Do you it remember? Was, it was what's his name from train spotting. Yes. Yeah. Who couldn't feel pain. Who couldn't feel pain. Yes. I fucking hated that. I hated that villain. I hated that movie. Yeah. And I hated uh, what was the last one he did with that bad theme from Madonna? Die, Die another day. Die oh God. With the guy with the ice crystals in his face. What? The diamonds in his face. Really? Yes. Oh no. It was, they, they aren't even worth talking about. Those no, just, but I thought those were I lost thought, years. And I like that actor. Yeah. I think he's like actually kind of sexy in a weird way, but the, 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 um, the tools with which he had to work were tough. You know, and I don't necessarily fault him. It was just a ridiculous character. My God, I'm so sorry that I forgot. Robert Carlyle. Robert Carlyle. Oh, how could I forget? I adore him. And I just blanked on his name and I feel terrible. Because uh, I'm getting my, old. Alzheimer's is setting in. There's a lot of movies we got to keep I know. track of. I know. A lot, of, a lot of bad ones to keep track of. Um, yeah. Most bad shit villain for me was Christopher Walken in View to a Kill. But fun. I loved it. <laughs> He was, <laughs> I, when I described him, it was the perfect batshit moment that you had this. And now it's kind of funny. This Elon Musk character as now I refer to him as like bad blonde die job, all this power in the world. I mean, mm -hmm. probably one of the richest bond villains. And it comes down to the end of the movie is he's got a hatchet on the golden gate bridge, laughing like a maniac, trying to hack James Bond. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it does make me, and I did, you are making me want to circle back because I had some honorable mention bond girls, which I'll get to in a second. Cause that movie has one of them, but uh, he was ridiculous, but I thought he was fun. Um, Max. What was his last name? Max Zorin. Zorin. Right. It was on the side of a blimp. How could I forget? <laughs> exactly. Who but um, you know, let's just talk about Grace Jones for a second delicious 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 and in other words delicious and the bond poster in which she is back the only bond poster that features just the bond girl same height same mm -hmm. prominence packing mm -hmm. a weapon back to back with roger moore in those and tons of ass and tons it's of all ass. about that leg and that ass dolph lundgren was in that that was his first uh appearance yes that's right. I remember that. Yeah. And my other honorable mention to circle back for a second, speaking of Bond girls, was in the ill-fated and ill-conceived Never Say Never Again. We're going Barb out of canon? We're going Barb off the reservation? Barbara Carrera. Barbara Carrera. All right. I thought you were going Bassinger, and I'm like, okay. No. Barbara, no, no, Carrera. No, no. Barbara Carrera. And for those who don't know, Never Say Never Again is basically a remake of Thunderball, and it was made for reasons I won't get into, and Connery was way too fucking old for it. And also 1983. Mm -hmm. And uh, But Barbara Carrera, who was just basically 
yeah, she she was uh, Fatima. There's the same character in Thunderball. Barbara Carrera is delicious. And, and got blown up too, which is yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So what's your Bond guilty pleasure? What movie is regarded as trash, but the one that you go back to all the time? Well, we talked about all on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Um, the trash one that I go back to, probably Diamonds Are Forever. Because by this time, Connery is like faxing it in, if there were such a thing at the time. It's just a fun romp. I mean, the two not that covertly gay villains were hilarious because all homosexuals are dangerous and deviant. That's right. And, and Bambi and Thumper. Right. And what's his name played Bo- Blofeld who I thought, um, and he was also in very strange that the same actor was in Connery's previous movie. Um, uh, you only live twice, Charles gray. Yep. Charles and, gray. Uh, Charles Gray is wonderful to watch. He looks like he's having a lot of fun with it, with the, c- the cigarette holder and the attitude. You know, Charles Gray's Blofeld is kind of gay himself. Nice to see you haven't lost that fine mental edge, 007. Please don't get any foolish notions. That missile is not a practical weapon. Uh, we had Jill St. John. Yep. Uh, we had uh, Plenty Old Tool, played by... Um, Natalie Wood's sister. Uh-huh. Um, Sausage magnet, Jimmy Dean playing the Howard Hughes character. Yeah. Willard White. Willard White, Willard White speaking. And, and we had Vegas, you know, so it's it just. Yeah. Fun, fun fact. The only Bond movie filmed exclusively in the United States. There's nothing at Pinewood in that movie. Nothing. Well, I mean, uh, the set. I mean, set oh, the locations. Yeah, location. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I still. That's I a mean, good point. That's it's a been good point. years, but it is hard to believe in the city of Las Vegas that Circus Circus is still there, and you can walk into it. Still, probably the only place on the strip where you can get airborne chlamydia, but <laughs> you can walk into that place, and there's still the centerpiece of the trapeze. Wow. I mean, what that's other- the charming part of Vegas, by the way. <laughs> when- I mean, I know you want to like, you know, boil yourself after you walk through it, but it's still, it's got some charm. Yeah. So yeah, it's still, I mean, circus, you can't say that about much in a bond movie or much less Vegas where some something- hadn't realized that it all the locations and not, well, no, that's not true. There was Amsterdam. Was- Diamonds are forever. There was Amsterdam. Damn it. Yeah. Um- Almost exclusively U.S., but not an Amsterdam. I think was as exotic as it got. Yeah, because it was a more of a fish out of water story. Like let's put right. James Bond in the desert and then mm-hmm. put him in a moon rover and all that jazz, all that you know. Stuff. But it's a guilty pleasure because it is fun and it's colorful and uh, you know Connery again looking flabby and with another one of the most problematic cringy lines. Which one? curtains match the cuffs oh gosh i'm plenty huh plenty o'toole oh named after your father perhaps or no i'm plenty well of course you are plenty o'toole named after your father perhaps yeah 
Lana Wood, Natalie's sister. That's right. Who went into casting, I believe. Oh, yeah. So that's my Bond guilty pleasure. What's yours? Tomorrow Never Dies. All right. I mean, it's it's ridiculous, but it actually one of the more prescient ones where um, the villain is um, played by Jonathan Price is mm-hmm. the base of Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. 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 Wants to start World War Three, And so he can... So he can show, get his station in China and sell more papers and books. I really should give the Brosnan films another run. I have not seen them. I've seen them maybe twice each, but very close to when they came out. So it's been a very long time because I just, that's why Craig's tenure was so refreshing to me. I was losing interest. They were losing interest. They never found they never found an equilibrium, whether he was going to be Roger Moore or whether he was going to be Sean Connery or whether he was going to be Pierce Brosnan. It was just, it bounced all over the place and tomorrow never dies. Just seems like his hair's not as poofy and long as it was in golden eye. And there seems to be, he's, he's finding his stride. And then the wheels just came off the bus with the last two. It was just, they took some big swings and it was just stupid and ridiculous Wave The surfing thing with the wave, what the fuck? Both big wave at the beginning and then the uh the glacier tsunami with kite surfing at the end. Yeah, I mean, come on. And I like Pierce Brosnan. I've I like seeing um I like his work. I've seen I like his post bond stuff. Not all of it, but I mean it's the projects really. But um yeah. yeah. Gentlemen, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. I threw this one at you, the four horsemen of a Bond apocalypse. (laughs) Just like the worst people to ever set foot on an Eon set. In terms of just the performance or whatever. Just fucking train wrecks. And I think you were good. You were going to go with somebody from View to a Kill as an honorable mention. I would say that one of my horsemen of the Bond apocalypse is also from View to a Kill, Tanya Roberts. Tanya Roberts. Good Lord. Really? Just what happened? She was not even good in Charlie's Angels. Why did that casting happen? I know. I'm sure she's very nice, but just didn't belong there. Yeah. All right. So who are you for that just should not have been in? So cute that they threw Madonna a cute little role as a, a fencing instructor. Yeah. Um, Madonna cannot act. I've been a Madonna fan since 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 physical attraction, which I heard before holiday. All right, we're going back to what eighty two. Mm-hmm. She cannot act. Now, okay, I know she won a trophy for Evita, but that was a music video, like a long one. Like she's good in that format, right? She cannot. She is not a dramatic actress. No. Like so, stop it. I think we're done there. I hope we are. You mentioned <laughs> the one that you pulled out. I don't want to say it because I don't want to steal your thunder, but God, it's good. <laughs> it's all right. so good. What's your, all right. So I'll, I'll mention them all together. Do you have any more? No, not right. right now. You might, you might trigger a couple, but yeah. So here are my four and I'm going to go backwards because we've talked about it. Denise Richards. <laughs> good one. Yeah. yeah. Mini driver. Forgot. Where was she? She's in Goldeneye. She was. She plays a bedazzled cowgirl in a dive bar when 
when he meets with Robbie Coltrane. Oh, for the love and of She's in the I background mean, okay. singing in a bad Russian accent. And it's like, that's Minnie Driver. What are you doing with her? It was just, uh, it was horrible. Okay. Madonna in Die Another Day. Mm-hmm. And then the one that is just that takes the cake lynn holly johnson of ice castles fame in for in for your eyes only when ice castles came to bond when ice castles came to bond hey and this little get... like this little like porny nymph who just I wanted know. this semi sexy guy insider all the time yeah let's like, get the sweet blind girl from ice castles yeah like, have, a, have a daddy complex don't you like me why, I think you're wonderful, baby, but I don't think your Uncle Ari would approve. Him? He thinks I'm still a virgin. Yes, well, you get your clothes on, and I'll buy you an ice cream. I don't want a medal. I want that spy inside me. Like, she was all, oh, she was grunt, like, it was dirty. She was pervy. Yeah, she yeah. was. Even yeah. Bond. It, it turned off Bond. Greeted him in bed naked. Let's get you an ice cream. Oh, yeah. 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 That's a good one. She's pretty horrible. Yeah. That's yeah. So those, those four. And again, no offense. Lovely people. Lovely, lovely people. people. Lynn Holly Johnson, uh, ice castles, sweet performance. I remember it well. And shout out to Denise Richards for her um, housewives of Beverly Hills. She got ribbed for it and she stood up to the ribbing that she got in that. And, and um, completely cops not, it and owns it. Let's not forget Wild Things. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. I, you know, and she survived Charlie Sheen. <laughs> Gold medal. Gold. Okay. Yeah. If for nothing else. George, <laughs> that is all I have before we move on to No Time to Die. Do you have anything for me that we didn't You were going to ask about a Bond crush. Oh, that's right. Bond crush. Shit. Right. I'm Who's your Bond right. crush? Well, and was, I presume you mean like any character in any movie, not like any character in any movie. And yeah. God, did I come for that? It was Naomi from Spy Who Loved Me, played by Carolyn Monroe. That was a sexual awakening for me as a kid. She was the one flying the helicopter, chasing them in the Lotus. <laughs> and it's only been recently where i realized that it has the most obscene sexual subtext in how that scene ends do you remember how it how it ends no no. okay so racing in the white lotus esprit he looks out the driver's window and he sees her and she's flying parallel to this cliffside road and he looks at her and he gives it the famous roger moore raised eyebrow like oh hello there chases him machine guns on the helicopter Hits the hits the dock, boom, goes off into the water, turns into the submarine, and she's hovering up above, waiting for them to come up or something like that. He flips on the gadget, sees the radar of her directly above them, stick shift, button to launch a missile, and literally fires a phallic missile right up her ass and makes the helicopter explode. And I'm like... And it was only recently where I'm like, oh my God, he shot something up her ass. <laughs> I'm like, how many complex layers of misogyny do Bond movies go 
uh, watch something multi-layer. Well. But again, you know, you, this is when the boys were in charge. It's not know. the case now. But she's stunning woman. Right. Absolutely stunning woman. And she was, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. My Bond crush is more contemporary. Um, people are going to think I'm really weird. But I have such a crush on Ray Fiennes. Really? I do. I know nothing about his personal life. I don't know what he's like as a person. He could be a really lovely man. He could be a prick. I don't know. But um, but I just I I, I have a just a, a look at kind of crush on him. Dad bod paternal rifle. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what he looks like shirtless. But uh, things that turn me on are not necessarily the physical. I think men are just really easy in that department. They're like, oh, it's just young buff. Let me get it. Like, no. I'm not that easy. No, there's something about there's an intelligence there and a life experience and a little a guy who's been around the block a few times. That's interesting. That's yeah, I'm not interested in dumb people. That's good. I mean, there's not a lot of eye candy men that around Bond. They tamp that down. I, I think that's deliberate. That's deliberate. Yeah, yeah. No, I think Ray finds there's a sexiness to him. Yeah. Love it. All right. Are we ready to move on to the order of yeah. the day? Yes. The no, no spoiler, the, the big spoiler alert. Spoiler so have, alert, everybody. Yeah. This, if you've not this seen movie, No Time to Die, stop listening. No Time to Die, stop listening now. There is not one spoiler, not two spoilers, three, maybe more. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if you haven't seen it, go see it. Bail out now and check back with us after. You loved it. Yeah, because I think um, it had things that you want in a Bond movie. And there were also things that a Bond movie has never done before. Directions it's never gone. Notes it's never they've never hit before. Um, and I think Daniel Craig's tenure is like a five-part miniseries. And this was the fifth episode and final episode. We're done. Yeah. Um, and... We start in Casino Royale with his first mission or his first kill. He's a newly minted double O. And then we get to this last bit where not only does he love someone very much, but he's a father. Which and which is conceivable, literally meaning that word. <laughs> but um bump. Yeah. It is. I I thought. I hate that plot device. Like it reminded me of Superman Returns, the Brian Singer, Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor one. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget when they were on the yacht and Lois Lane has a kid, and you don't know right. through the whole movie she has a kid, and it's it's getting stormy or something, and that grand piano slides across the room, and right. I look over at my friend and I'm like, so help me God. That kid throws the piano. I'm fucking out of here. I'm not going to handle Superman having a kid and being a baby and a, you know, an absent dad. And lo and behold, kids, his, and, and, and then it switched in this was like, Madeline says, she's not yours. She's not yours. And he, he does. He doubts it. He doubts it. But to what you're saying, his acting 
he really looks like a man going, oh my God, do I have a kid? And there's this, this emotional ambivalence on his face going, I hope it's not my kid, but oh my God, I would love to have a little daughter. There's just something in his, the way he registers that moment when she's like, it's not yours. It's, she's not yours. She's not yours. And then when he takes, but he her, knows, but he knows. And then he, you know, you can immediately see that connection forming. And then of course drags her through some of the most violent moments in the movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's the first time we've ever seen Bond try to protect a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a little, you know, it took me a second to sort of lock into what this sort of like vaporized thing does. Um, that was the really the big problem I had with No Time to Die. The, the nanobots DNA signature. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but, you know, in the end, when I realized what um, Savin had, or what was, the, what was? Safin. Yeah. Safin. What Safin Lucifer Safin. What he had done to him and what it meant and how he could never touch them again. Yeah. It's just like, that sucks. Yeah. You know, every time Bond gets close to something where that where he could like, you know, get out of this and retire and love someone and have a life, it gets snatched away every yeah. single time. Which was Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And now this are the two Bond movies that end on a down note. Right. Yeah. And of sacrifice, of loss. Right. And this is the price for this life. He pays the price. Every time he every time he pays a price. Yeah. The and in this movie he pays the ultimate price. And he pays the price multiple times. It's he loses he loses his brothers as they've been I mean, the Felix Leiter death. I was like, really? Oh, you know, that's, that's where I thought it was going to stop mm-hmm. <laughs> and it didn't. So mm-hmm. Felix Leiter um, takes a knee and then the Blofeld death, which how did you feel about Blofeld going out that way? I was surprised that he was like, the only thing that surprised me about it really, because I did buy that bond was at that point emotionally, like with him, like a fucking enough of you, you little fucking shit. Like, you know, yeah. You were mean to me when I was living with you as a 12 year old and like fucking get out of my life. You fuck. Um, the only thing that surprised me was that bond was allowed to like physically touch him yeah. in that room like or any visitor, you know what I mean? Like he's, you know, hold up like Hannibal Lecter. Mm-hmm. How is James allowed to physically touch him? I, That's that- the only problem I had with it. I love the dialogue of Roy Kinnear afterwards was, um, you know, you, you violated, you know, I think one of the, you know, the, the cardinal, you know, it was a cardinal sin to touch a, a prisoner that that was really good. But I was like, really, that's how Blofeld's going out. It was like, it was like when they killed Kirk in Star Trek Generations, you know, which was just mm-hmm. essentially a workplace injury, you know, a bunch of scaffolding fell on him. Right. And it was like, <laughs> I'm like, wow, Blofeld goes out this. And I mean, I guess it was. <laughs> You could look at it as an ironic end for this man that commanded so much and everything, but uh, it was a bit of a shocker when it looked over and he was gurgling and making boils. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's gone. So he lost somebody he considered his brother, somebody who considered him bond their brother. Mm -hmm. And then we're moving on. 
And he lost Madeline in the beginning. Like he lost her twice. He lost her twice. Yeah. Both times, yeah. both times he was the one that had to make a call. Madeline didn't walk away. He put her on a train and he put her and his daughter in a boat. Right. And he has to push away people to protect them. Right. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I, I, I am certain that they had meeting after meeting deciding what was going to be Bond's fate in this. And I am sure maybe they even shot an alternate ending. Who knows? But are they are we like, are we really going to end the movie like this? And I'm glad they did because it was just different enough. Like it was what I've liked about this whole tenure. We talked about this earlier that this bond is in pain. This bond has suffered, Mm -hmm. you know, has not gotten off easy. Roger Moore, Sean Connery, they got off easy. Like they ended every movie, like (laughs) that's over. Let's go get a drink and fuck, you know? Um, this has been a tough ride for this bond. Yes. And it's he been a through it. line. Yeah. He looks it. I like that they go in this direction. It's going to disappoint some people, but I don't care. It's a hard, I mean, there's no other way to get a hard reset. I like to think, and I'm going to look into this, I, but I'm thinking that they did kind of the Harrison Ford force awakens thing. Okay. We'll get you back. But this character that's been fucking driving you nuts for the last 40 years of your life will kill off. So you don't have to deal with it again. Okay, right. fine. I'm in. If you're going to go yeah. out, if you're going to let me go out that way, fine. I'm in. And I was yeah. wondering if they dangled that carrot with Daniel Craig. I always thought he had a five picture deal and this is the fifth and like, you know, obligation fulfilled. I could be wrong. I forget where I read it years ago that Daniel signed a, po- a five picture deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, I might be remembering that wrong. I don't know. Um, but it makes sense that he wouldn't, however, they ended it. It did not, it doesn't make sense for him to come back. I, I love Lashana. What's her name? Who plays the other, other 007 delicious. And as, um, as we talked about, uh, that fight scene in Cuba was wonderful to watch. She was terrific. Yeah. It, it, it hit all the, it hit all the notes they were trying. I couldn't believe there was two hours and 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a point I wasn't bored, but I did look at my watch and I'm like, uh, I haven't seen the scene that I saw in the trailers yet, or, you know, the, or even the introduction of Rami Malek's character. So what did you think of that villain? I thought he was fine, you know, and I, it all tied into the specter. Like we learned in specter that Madeline's knew how to use the gun because they kept it under the kitchen sink with the bleach. I thought that was great. That was right. I mean, pulling this tiny, they did an MCU trick. It was like, let's take some subtle bad things and yes make them a linchpin to a next story it was mm-hmm. it was the thor dark world move but they've kind of done that throughout this entire series with him yeah you know well vesper is just i mean it's but then inspector of- you learn who's controlling all of them yeah like i am the author of all your pain and he kind of still is in this one even though rami malik is the immediate villain mm-hmm. um i thought rami was uh you know, not the yelling sort of terrifying, much like um, Blofeld, but uh, creepy. Like yeah. it kind of got under my skin a little bit. He was a little creepy. And um, I wish he had think- more time. I wish there was more time and more interaction mm-hmm. um, between, between the two of them opposed to that, just that one scene, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I actually, that was one of the things I appreciated the most is when, 
James Bond drew on him and they dropped through that false floor. I love, I love that. It was just like such a classy 1960s Bond villain move. It was, it was analog. It was just, it was perfect. There was some classic bond bondian elements in this movie. Some of the gadgetry, you know, some of the gadgetry was a little grand for my taste. Cause I like, again, I like Daniel Craig's, his bonds resourcefulness yeah. without the uh the gimmicks you know all in paul i thought it was a i, I really enjoyed the film it's going to require a second viewing for me oh i want to see it on an imax screen now um i'm gonna have to revisit it because it wasn't it didn't come across as like that was my favorite bond film it was no. it was it was the return of the jedi against empire strikes back i thought it's it like, was a fitting i thought it was a fitting, fitting. conclusion yeah. to this five-part story and they stuck the landing on how to get rid of James Bond. If James mm-hmm. Bond is going to die under a salvo of a dozen daisy cutter missiles, mm-hmm. fine. That, that's the way that speaking right. to his beloved. Yeah. that's. And I felt like I honestly didn't, I did not think they would go there until they went there. And I just sort of sat there in my chair, in my seat and thought, holy shit. They're going to do this. They're going to do this. Yeah. And then when the credits started to roll, I just went, oh, my God. Yeah. It's a box. Set. It's a perfect yeah. box. <laughs> there we go. There is a young and I'll, I'll say this and I would say this again to the same person, um, you know, at my office job where I am part time. One of the young nurses and she said she'd never seen a Bond movie. And I said, you're kidding. She said she hadn't. And I said, well, if you are genuinely curious, you could start with Daniel Craig. Mm-hmm. And go all the way through No Time to Die. That's a good beginning because it's a self-contained Bond story. Yeah. In a five-part Bond story. Um, and then go back to, you know, go to Connery, more, the rest of them. Yeah, like this one have. for a younger generation, like this is this generation's Bond. Mm-hmm. Pretty good one. Yeah. And it's a self-contained five-part like box set, as you said. You know, it's its own story almost. There could have been some edits. There could have been some wasted set pieces, mm-hmm. conf- confusing storyline. Mm-hmm. But Daniel Craig was the glue that held it all together. The acting. He's the yeah. best actor of all of them. Yeah. yeah. He's I mean, the I, best actor of all of them. I didn't have a problem with him when they announced him. I mean, I remember just the vitriol that was being thrown around when they announced him. And I remember I'm like, oh, that's that guy from Munich. And the mm-hmm. character that the character that he played in Munich was James Bond, pretty much. And I had seen Layer Cake also. Okay. Yeah. Which yeah. was great. And I'd recommend to anybody if you're a Daniel Craig fan and if you haven't seen Layer Cake, it's wonderful. Yeah, I can't remember my feelings about it then. I think I had a real I remember I was surprised by the vitriol. Mm-hmm. Thinking, my God, people are so mean. They've decided they're not going to like it before they even see it. I think everybody had a real Tom Hardy heart on back then, too. Sure. That's what it was. And Clive Owen. Clive Owen, Tom Hardy, and then um, Jude Law was, you know, that was was the the big herring that was being thrown around. Right. Yeah. I think we all want to know who's George Hans' next Bond. Uh, My favorite choice for the next Bond, personally... Uh, it's going to be Richard Madden about to be seen in the Eternals and formerly 
the bodyguard. Because, yeah. Yeah. I think he's got the goods. He does. He's either going to, he's going to be lead the Avengers, be part of the MCU, or he's got two of the best franchises to choose from if they pick him. Right. Uh, looks good. And he's got the acting chops. Yeah. So I like it. We shall see. Ben Wishaw, who is one of the more interesting and cooler characters coming out of some very bad quartermasters um, mm-hmm. past their prime. He was great, but in No Time to Die, he let loose a line that said that the character is is a single gay man and uh, that he was preparing for a date with someone. And he said, um, he'll be here any minute or something to that effect. How'd right. That, how'd that hit you with seeing that like Q is gay is now canon? I felt so seen. No, I... <laughs> No, I was happy. And the funny thing, uh, when that line, when that moment happened, it didn't even, I don't want to say it bounced off me. I just thought, oh, okay, good. You know, it, I didn't, I wasn't floored by it. Um, I thought, yeah, it made total sense. It, it, knowing what we know or how I felt rather about Ben's portrayal of Q, it seemed to track for me. Yeah. Yeah. Q has always been, we never got really much into Q's life, personal life at all, you know, but Ben was in, he was introduced in Skyfall and then got a little bit more of him in Spectre and then even more of him in No Time to Die. And it's the closest we've ever gotten to Q in terms of his personality or his personal life. And yeah. And it was, yeah, it was really refreshing. I really hope they continue with the expanding dimensions of these not bit players anymore, not supporting players. I mean, this is all part, this is the universe that they're building out. These are, right. these are teammates. These are not punchlines or props for, you know, money, penny interactions in the front office. It's, it's now, it's really cool. I found it, I found it very refreshing. That was thrilling to me. To have that in a Bond film, you know, we talked before about uh, the two villains in Diamonds Are Forever, the two bad guys that weren't the ultimate villains, but, um, and they're painted as, you know, evil marginal characters. Mm -hmm. I'm loath to recall any other time in a Bond movie, unless you can remember one through Roger Moore uh dalton and brosnan where there was a gay moment i can't i'm loath to recall yeah i don't nothing comes to mind i Mm -mm. think they just that was where they just did not go right yeah and now i mean i it's i think it's fantastic obviously i am i'm very happy about it but as you know circling back to the moment that precise moment that you asked about when he's, I think when he said that line, like he's, he's, he'll be over any minute or whatever the line was. I think I said, <laughs> nice. Yeah. You know, great. Yeah. Good. It, it created a smile. Mm-hmm. hundred percent. Yeah.
one dream job because I hope you know I'm not one for like a W two kind of a job. I've always been independent for the most part. Like if Barbara Broccoli called and said, "Listen, I need someone boots on the ground in New York." We're going to set up. An, be the, you'd be the best Felix Leiter. I don't know. Manage things, run things for Eon in New York, for Eon Productions. Sure. Sort of be the guardian of the legacy. Oversee the social media. I would love that job. I would love to be Barbara Broccoli's money penny. And then step in when they film as as Felix. I think I'm a little Felix. old for Felix. You don't know. Yeah. There's uh, be fight scenes. Barbara Broccoli's money penny. I love it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. You're listening. You heard this. George yeah. Bond is available. Barbara Broccoli needs a guardian of the Bond legacy here in New York to oversee publications, social media. I'd, I'd be all up in that. That's fantastic. Because I love it so much. All right, Paul. This was fun. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for asking. No problem. I think the next one that we should, um, you know, maybe dive into is the other one smart, funny, tortured pop culture character that we love. Tony Stark. Tony. Who, yeah. who also had a similar end through sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very Iron Man ending. Yeah. 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 And growth of character from the beginning. Oh, we're having fun with that one. I think, mm. I, th- I think we found our lane, George. Yeah. Dying heroes. <laughs> All right, my friend. You have a wonderful All right, buddy. Day. Thanks so much, man. Thank you. Talk soon. All right, you got it.